The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, what's going on with you today? Uh, you know, it's been a really busy day. Uh, just, you know, still doing a, a ton of prep for the upcoming draft that is happening on Monday night and carrying over into Tuesday afternoon. And then uh, just posted Ian Khan's new top 400 dynasty rankings to the site those are pretty cool a lot of player movement a lot of new additions so uh definitely go check those out if you play in dynasty leagues which i'm guessing pretty much everyone that listens to this podcast does yeah absolutely now did you say that ian's joining jeff tomorrow is that the plan yeah yeah ian's gonna be on the podcast tomorrow with jeff and then he's gonna be on the sirius xm fantasy sports today show with us at 2 30 eastern on saturday very nice well looking forward to getting his takes straight from his mouth but anything you noticed looking over the top 400 any big risers uh, anybody who uh, was a notable faller 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there were obviously dozens and dozens and dozens of big risers, um, just as many big fallers. I mean, all the kind of obvious guys. Uh, Josh Bell jumped about 140 spots. Uh, you know, Cody Bellinger jumped about 30 spots. And, you know, on and on, and on we can go. I mean, Joey Gallo jumped a ton of spots. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a ton of movement. You guys are all smart enough to figure it out, so definitely go mm-hmm. check them out. Yeah, very easy to find, too, on the site. If you're at the MLB page, you just hover over rankings. And the last option there, dynasty rankings. Really appreciate Ian Khan doing a comprehensive sweep after you updated the top four hundred prospects. Uh, just to have, you know, updated dynasty ranks. Uh, should be fun. And one guy who may be a, a faller, I don't know to what extent yet because I haven't really done a deep dive into it myself, but Forrest Whitley, I'd have to imagine, is a faller on, on Dynasty ranks. Now shut down with shoulder fatigue. We knew that the results were bad at AAA, but now we actually have an injury, an official diagnosis of shoulder fatigue for Forrest Whitley. What's your level of concern here? Uh, I'm not that concerned because I – sort of it's it's kind of nice to have an explanation as to why the performance was so bad and i mean he's still going to be an easy top 20 guy for me on the post draft update uh will be interesting to see if he remains the number one pitching prospect i think that that could very much be in jeopardy on the next update with guys like matt manning uh, mackenzie gore casey mize Jesus Lazardo all hanging around in that that top twenty range. I could see Whitley falling behind a, a couple of those guys, just given the fact that he's not healthy. But I'm, you know, I, I'm still very happy to trade for Whitley at a at a fair price in a dynasty league. I mean, every every pitcher is going to get hurt at some point. He's, you know, he was struggling mightily at AAA. Hopefully, this is kind of the explanation for that. Uh, has not been able to kind of prove that he's really durable yet in in pro ball, but I mean he's also just so talented that he was knocking on the door of the big leagues without really proving that he that he was durable. So um, I'm not panicking. I don't think the sky is falling, but it's uh, a slight ding to his value in the short term. I think. I think we were talking last week, and I said I was. Probably going to have to drop Force Whitley in my 15-teamers over the weekend. You kind of talked me into that. Now I'm talked me into holding him. Now I'm not blaming you for you know, how I didn't drop Whitley last week. I could have gotten, you know, could have specked on somebody. Um, well, it was I, my I own. Held, it was my own decision. I held him in a 12-teamer, so it's not like I was yeah. talking out of my. Anyway. Yeah, no, you made a lot of good points, <laughs> and I did hold on to him. Uh, now, though, pretty much an all redraft. Probably time to cut bait, right? Uh. Yeah, I mean, definitely in, in 12 and 15 teamers. I'm sure there are people playing in deep enough leagues where I would hold him, but in, in NFBC leagues, yeah, I would cut it. Nice. Well, I'm going to jump down the list here a little bit. We have a rundown, and I uh, just want to jump down because it's related uh, to Whitley on the same team, of course. Corbin Martin giving up eight earned runs, five homers, more walks and Ks over his last 11 innings, three starts, uh, two were against the Cubs and Red Sox. Uh, but it's suddenly this team, as good as they are, their pitching depth is being tested. So, you know, if there there were another hiccup or two for Martin in the short term, who would be some some possible replacements? Uh, they're kind of out of 
quality internal options at this point with Whitley obviously on the injured list. J.B. Bukowskis hasn't really been pitching that well at AAA. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they've got guys, uh, Siono Perez, Rogelio Armenteros, but neither of those guys are really appealing to me in, in redraft leagues. Um, you know, they could bring back Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're running pretty low on options. They are still doing fine in terms of wins and losses. I mean, I think, let me check on this. I, I know that they had been letting Josh James uh, pitch a little or, or handle more than, than one inning lately, so stretching James out is, is one option. Uh, but, I mean, they don't, they don't really need to panic. They don't need to go out and do anything crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, James went two and a third in his last outing, gave up three runs. Uh, I mean, he's been much better since a really rough start to the season. He's got a ERA under three over his last 10 appearances, uh, 16 and a third innings, 26 strikeouts over that span. Uh, so stretching him out is, is one thing that they could look at, but I don't really expect them to do anything crazy unless the, the price on Keuchel were to just come way down. I think that they have a good enough team that they can survive even with all these uh, issues in in the rotation. Yeah, they're a pretty preposterous team, but the starting pitching depth now getting tested, that's for sure. One other note on the Astros, Carlos Correa, of course, to the injured list today. It's disappointing, and now it's something like four to six weeks with a broken rib. Miles Straw called up to replace Correa on the roster. Is Straw a legitimate prospect, and and what does he maybe bring to the table for fantasy? Yeah, he's a top 200 prospect. He uh, has just a ton of upside in stolen bases and he flashed that in September last year where, I mean, he, he just plays with his hair on fire. He finds ways to get on base. Uh, you know, he can use the whole field with ease. He can bunt for a hit. He has the speed to beat out some, some infield hits. Uh, he is very willing to take a walk. There's almost no power to speak of, at least over the fence power, but, I don't necessarily think that's a deal breaker with him because the speed is just so extreme and his aggressiveness on the bases is so extreme that in the short term, I think he could really be uh, someone that could help you there as long as he's playing. And that's, that's the thing that I would keep my eye on over the next few days is just how much is he going to play? There's a chance that maybe he only plays against lefties with some sort of a weak platoon of him and, him and uh, Tony Kemp at, at second base, maybe in the short term. Jose Altuve will be back, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, once Altuve's back in a couple weeks um, how much he plays. But I think in the short term, Straw could be uh, a big time asset in steals. And I was tempted to activate him in Tout Wars today, but I, I think I'm going to wait a week and just sort of see how the playing time shakes out. But he, yeah, he's a legit prospect. He, he's not going to hit for power, but he's going to do pretty much everything else. Tony Kemp at second base again today. Jake Marisnik getting most of the run in center field right now. And you were right about Derek Fisher seeing some time uh, atop the order. And that's, you know, even against, um, I think it was a lefty yesterday. Yeah, against, even against a lefty, he was atop the order. So I was thinking maybe mostly Marisnik who benefited 
um, in that outfield from Springer's absence. Now they're down Springer and Correa and Altuve. Uh, but it seems like you were right about Fisher maybe playing a strong side platoon role. Yeah, I think they just want to let him try to build up his trade value and at least sort of see what they have in him. They know what they have in Marisnik. They know what they have in the rest of the guys that have been on that roster all year. But uh, this is kind of – I sort of interpret this as Derek Fisher's kind of last – legitimate chance to sort of prove he belongs as a 25-man roster guy for them and uh, even if he were to impress I I could still see them moving him at the deadline this year Uh, another guy that kind of quietly got the promotion for them is Garrett Stubbs who I've liked for a while he's going to be the backup catcher while Max Stassi's on the IL and he went I think he had two hits with a a double and a a game-tying RBI Last night in his debut, uh, interesting guy to just kind of keep in mind for for deep two catcher leagues because I think he can he can really hit. He's he's tiny for a catcher, which is why you're not going to see him playing all that often. But uh, someone to just keep in mind for for AL only leagues and deep two catcher leagues. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. We've been waiting on Jordan Alvarez for a long time, but they didn't recall him or Kyle Tucker, even though they're down there. They're top three bats, really. I guess Bregman's in there, but. Three of their top four bats. It's pretty surprising to me. But a real quick note before we move on to the non-Astros portion of the podcast. Are you tired of the grind trying to win on DraftKings or FanDuel, spending so much time trying to set the perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at PrizePix have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap. With prize picks, it's just you versus the projections. Prize picks has new boards of selections up every day covering players from Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA, NHL, UFC, NFL, NCAA football, and more. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries, so you can go under on Durant while taking Tiger on the over. Prize picks really is daily fantasy simplified. Visit rotowire.com slash prize picks to sign up now or use promo code WIRE when you download the prize picks app. Moving on, James, a prospect who I really didn't know anything about and hadn't even heard the name myself, Devin Smeltzer. Came up yesterday, faced the Brewers. Pretty good. I mean, at least in terms of results on the field. What did you see with the eye and in the, in the stuff? Uh, I I play in a couple leagues where you can add players uh, at any moment, and I added him in a head-to-head points 14-team league after his like third pitch of the game because he just had Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich uh, completely off balance in that first inning. Um, I mean, it, this is kind of deception, lefty deception at its finest where the, the fastball is kind of 89 miles an hour, but it still generates all kinds of nasty-looking swings from some of the game's best hitters and obviously when you see a guy like this multiple times, you're going to get better at, at figuring him out. But I really think he showed, I mean, and, and he was, I think he was using his plus change up about 30% of the time was, was throwing the curveball about 15% of the time. Uh, I could see him just having a ton of success his first uh, time through the league, just because he's so deceptive and, so tough to pick up initially and you know when it's 
that level of deception with that velocity, it sometimes you get the hitters up there just sort of over eager to uh, try to do damage because they, they're seeing that it's 89, 90 miles an hour, and it, it seems like this is going to be a guy that I'm going to be able to hit. And yeah, he was just making all the Brewers look pretty silly early on and uh, didn't even, I think he went six innings with like less than 70 pitches, something like that. So he was, he was really efficient and yeah, it just looks like a legit big league starter to me. I, I added him to the top 400 on the last update, but I, I'll probably move him up on the next one. I mean, we'll, we'll see how he does over his next couple starts, but uh, he's a guy that I would, I think you could pick up in 15 team leagues and, Beyond the scouting report, I think it's just a really, really good team to roster starting pitchers on, as we've seen with, with most of their pitchers this year. They, they get to play a lot of mediocre teams in that division. They have a really good defense behind them uh, a lot of the time, and the, the ballpark's pretty solid to pitch in as well. Devin Smeltzer, a fifth-round pick, drafted a couple times, but um, the second time, fifth-rounder in 2016 to the Dodgers at the time. So, um, you know, fifth round, that's not super late. He has a little bit of pedigree and what a run he was on, uh, between double A and triple A before getting the call nine starts in a one, one, five ERA zero eight, um, nine whip pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Even though there's not a, a ton of strikeout upside, at least at the upper levels, you wouldn't think. Yeah. And he's looking like the, I mean, he was sort of seen as the third piece probably at the time when, he was traded uh, from L.A. to Minnesota at the deadline last year in the Brian Dozier deal. But I'd probably take him over Dozier in in some redraft leagues right now. So that, that trade's looking really, really good for the Twins at this point. I thought you were going to say, like, in real life. Obviously, I think in real life it's probably... Well, I think that's yeah. an even easier call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Fall from grace for, for Brian Dozier, for sure. The Twins are looking pretty good. Would look even better if they had a little guy, maybe like a Ryan Presley type in that bullpen. Uh, I still think the Astros would probably be better, even if if the Twins still had Presley. But the gap between those teams, two teams, I think, would be smaller. Another pitching prospect, a little bit under the radar, but he certainly has some name brand value with the last name Plesac, Zach Plesac, getting the call to replace. I think it was Adam Plutko in the Indians rotation. Uh, okay, pitching in the rain, mostly two pitches, fastball changeup. Uh, do you think that third pitch is going to come along this year? Or do you think he's mainly a two-pitch guy during this first run through the majors? Um, you know, I didn't get to watch this start, and it it seems like he was throwing the breaking ball like occasionally, but I think it was less than 10% of the time. And I just think that this is a guy that, I mean, the, the Indians are kind of desperate for anyone solid to take up a, a spot in the back of that rotation. And while Plesek is probably not a finished product because of that lack of the third pitch, he can at least give them a chance going, you know, four and two thirds, five, five and a third, something like that. I don't think they're going to let him face uh, lineups a third time very often, but I think he can keep them in games and, I think there will be some appealing matchups for him in that division. I, I don't think he's – I'm lower on him than Smeltzer. I think Smeltzer is someone that in – you know maybe in 15-team leagues we get to the point where you can just kind of leave him in. But with Plesak, I think it's very matchup dependent. 
in Chicago to face the White Sox on Sunday will be his next start. And then the next week he has the Yankees at home. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he does in that White Sox start because I think he's still out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, Hopefully he's able to go five-plus again and do okay. And in that case, I think you could think about adding him. I I wouldn't start him in that matchup against the Yankees next week, but, um, you know, he's he's someone to keep in mind. I mean, we all need pitching, and the AL Central is is probably the best division to have a pitcher in. We talked about a player in the – return for Brian Dozier and um, Devin Smeltzer. A guy who was the headliner, actually, not just a piece, but the headliner in the Tommy Pham deal last summer, going from the Rays to the Cardinals, Genesis Cabrera, great name. But um, if you get past the name, what's the stuff and the command look like? I was kind of surprised by the fact that they called on him. I mean, he's more exciting. He's He's much more electric than... Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon or Jake Woodford, but I, I'm not expecting Cabrera to have much success in the big leagues initially. Uh, you know, he's got a big fastball from the left side, and that's really kind of where the glowing stuff on the scouting report sort of trails off. I mean, the, the command's pretty shaky. Secondaries aren't aren't that great and aren't that consistent, so... Yeah, it's a it's a great name. Uh, I think he's got a, a bright future in the big leagues. I just think it's going to be in the bullpen. And this, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of confused by the fact that they went to him. He could he could pitch well, but I would caution against reacting to that. I, I would expect him to probably struggle tonight against the Phillies. And if, even if he pitches well, I'll be fading him uh, over the rest of the season. Are there any starters in that Cardinal system that are on the verge and you are a little bit more excited about? Because there really seems to be openings. I know Waka removed from the rotation. They got Ueno, who I think he had a bunch of Ks the other night, but he's not really on shaky ground. And they're they're losing ground in that division. So anybody else in that Cardinal system worth monitoring at least? I mean, it's it's pretty much Alex Reyes. He's the guy that... Uh, you know, I think he was scooped up in a lot of NFBC leagues this past week. And once he's, I don't know if he's been cleared to hit yet, but I think that that was the holdup on him coming up this time. I know he's been pitching. He just hasn't been able to, to hit just yet. Uh, he's, he's kind of the clear top guy, uh, for this season. Ryan Helsley is a guy that I, uh, was higher on. I'm higher on Helsley than, than Genesis Cabrera coming in. But it seems like the Cardinals are going to kind of go forward with Helsley in a relief role. They're kind of grooming him as a multi-inning reliever. He's He'd be more exciting to me if they stretched him out, but, but right now they're going with Cabrera. I think Reyes is at the point where he's a stash in, in pretty much all redraft leagues, though. Nice. Well, Alex Reyes and really nobody else, though, for that Cardinals team, at least for... 2019 redraft leagues a quick note before we move on a a read from our sponsor yahoo daily fantasy sports america's pastime is back the smell of the grass the crack of the bat and now that sensation of money burning a hole into your pocket just play yahoo daily fantasy and find a baseball contest that's right for you go head to head against a friend or find someone online with quick match you'll only go up against another player of your skill level 
Play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You will keep 100% of your winnings or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights in guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a no management fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that can spend anywhere between two contests and an entire season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. Come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. Now, James, Memorial Day, I was watching my Reds. They blew the first game of the doubleheader, but then they got some sweet, sweet revenge on Mitch Keller in the, the second game, a grand slam in that first inning. I think they put up a sixth spot in the first. Uh, what, what do you think? Is, is Keller just simply not ready for primetime? What did you think? I mean, I didn't watch that start. Uh, Actually, I had a buddy in town, and we watched the first game, but then we I, I wasn't going to make him watch both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – Good, uh, good hosting by you. Uh, never want to make anyone sit through multiple Reds games in a day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't expect Keller to have success in this outing. I thought it was sort of out of character for the Pirates to to bring him up to make this start. Um, I mean, I know he's on the forty man, but he's just you know, it's it's a guy who this is a guy that people thought would be in the big leagues early last year. Like I, I didn't, but I mean he's really kind of stalled out in the upper levels of the minors. And uh, there's a reason why he's well, I, I don't know. He might not even be in my top 100 anymore. And he certainly won't be in my top 100 after I add uh, the draft prospects uh, early next week. So just a, a guy that I think, you know, he's got, he's got that solid fastball and he could develop into a number three starter, but it's uh, kind of been a lot of, you know he'll he'll take one step forward, one step back. It seems uh, on kind of a, a monthly basis ever since this time last year. So, just a guy who I've I've really kind of soured on, uh, especially in terms of upside. I I just I haven't seen him as a, a potential frontline guy in, in quite some time. So I think there's there's a lot of name value there, but I just I don't think he's really ready to consistently get big league hitters out. Nice. Do you feel a little bit more optimistic about John Duplantier? Because we've seen him in the bullpen. He's looked fine from what I've seen, but he now may slot into the starting rotation with Luke Weaver. And that Luke Weaver injury, kind of a sneaky, a huge setback to his fantasy owners. He was a yeah. a big plus for a while. Um, but as John Duplantier, if he does get this start, does he have the stuff and the commands to turn a lineup over more than a couple times? Well... He's not stretched out enough to turn a lineup over more than a couple times. He hasn't, I mean, they've been, you know, I, they've got some really smart people in that front office, but they, they haven't really kept him on a starter's schedule this year, as you alluded to, by, by using him out of the bullpen. I think he logged a season high four and a third innings in his last start for Reno. So I do kind of like that matchup at home against the Mets. I mean, that's, not one I would shy away from, but I don't expect him to go deep enough to qualify for the win in that one. And then the following week, uh, he would be at home against the Dodgers. I would not touch him in that one. The next start would be in Philly. Probably wouldn't use him for that one either. So I'm interested to see if he does get the call, how it goes, and and how he looks as a, as a big league starter. But 
I don't think I would be too aggressive about adding him anywhere just because I don't think I would deploy him uh, in either of the following two weeks. And not only are the in-game pitch counts limited, but the the workload's going to inevitably, inevitably be capped this year, right? Because this guy is just one thing after another in his pro career. Yeah, he had that, that huge 2017 season, uh, but... Or was that 2018? Um, he had one good year where he where he held up for over over 100 innings, um, but last year, let's see, this is awesome. Yeah, it's not yeah. quite. A, yeah, that's yeah, great. 70 74 innings last year. So, so not quite the John Duplant or not the uh, Jonathan Loizaga. <laughs> no, he's not, never he's, surpassing 80 no, innings. He's not as bad as Loizaga from a durability standpoint. I mean, nobody really is that bad. Uh, other than Loisaga, but uh, Duplantier, yeah, I would, I would imagine they would cap him around 110, 120 innings this year. And I mean, he's he's only hit 29 so far, just based on the the weird usage that he's experienced early on. So, I mean, he might be able to just based on the fact he's only thrown 29 innings so far, he might be able to pitch with minimal restrictions over the rest of the season. Maybe that was sort of all part of the plan, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be at least a couple starts before we can really feel good about him going deep into games. And like I said, those next couple matchups after uh, the one against the Mets would be ones I would try to stay away from. And yeah, if he gets, I could see a scenario where he looks okay over like four and two thirds in the start against the Mets. People add him. And then he gets lit up by the Dodgers and maybe lit up by the Phillies, and then he's back on waiver wires. And then at that point, that might be the time to, to kind of sneak in and grab him. Nice. Well, yeah, I mentioned the Weaver setback. I, I'm dealing with that in a couple leagues, including the Road to Dynasty Invitational, TGFBI as well. But uh, you'll make do. you gotta got to replace a guy. And maybe, yeah, I may have to. Well, I just traded for him in stake league like a, like a week ago. Ooh. That, that sucked. But. That's the worst. But. Um, any, any interesting pickups for you recently, either in dynasty or in redraft? Yeah. in uh, TDGX I'm rebuilding and I, um, I had $34 in fab remaining. I bid half of that and got Luis Arias, who has been off to a great start with the twins, a really surprising, it's it's really surprising that he made his big league debut when he did. I mean, this is a guy who opened the year back at double A and after thirty eight games he was up to triple A and then after three games at triple A he was up in the majors. I'm not necessarily sure where this goes over the rest of the season, but I'm impressed enough with his offensive skill set that I think he could be an everyday player for them next year and you know, he's he's got such a good approach, uh, just hits everything on a line, it seems, does not strike out. Uh, he's kind of a almost a Williams Estadio, uh, but a true infielder, not a not a quasi infielder and hasn't shown much pop in the minors, but ha- did hit one home run so far in the majors, stole a base already. Uh, just a guy who. I, I would caution against treating him as just like a, a nothing prospect. I mean, he's been on the radar for a long time just because of his hit tool and his, his on base skills. And it was just sort of one of those profiles where the lack of power, the lack of speed, you weren't going to get really hyped about it when he was, you know, a year or two away from the big leagues. But now that he's in the big leagues, I mean, 
I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. So I think he's someone that in, in those 20 team dynasty leagues should definitely be rostered right now. Very interesting. Luis Arias. Yeah. I didn't know much about him, but I was yeah, kind of interested. I'm with you that maybe next year with maybe they get rid of snow or something. Maybe he could be the guy at third base for the twins. It's kind of an uneventful weekend for me and Fab. I did get some bids in, but after the Fabageddon weekend, I didn't have a lot to work with. I you know, got Austin Riley, so I had to temper things a little bit. I did get Marcus Walden, and at the time I was like pretty ecstatic because he got a save on Sunday, and I thought maybe I just got the Red Sox closer. But he was back to the eighth, and then uh, Ryan Brazier blew a save. Maybe he gets back into it, but a uh, pretty tame Fab and bidding weekend for me. What did you think about the fact that uh, – did you did you take a peek at the Champs League bids in, in TGFBI? Yeah, I put in a bunch of bids and got outbid on every single one of them. That's happened to me uh, getting shut out a couple, I think, three times well, this year. hey, you got Austin Riley. Then, yeah, so. that actually kind of was a blessing that I got shut out the weeks I did. Right, and I was I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Heath Capps bid 263 on Lourdes Gurriel, and that was the top bid. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel going for more than Kevin Vigio, more than Kevin Crone. Uh, Alex Reyes got scooped up for 55 bucks out of a thousand. Kevin Crone, 81 out of a thousand. Kevin Vigio, 157 out of a thousand. Uh, I added Sean Newcomb for 35, and that says much, much more about my roster than it does Sean Newcomb. I, I just am so desperate for anyone that I can, can possibly con myself into thinking will get saves that I. I will be spending there and uh, not not that confident at all, really, that, that Newcomb gets to double-digit saves this year. But it's a shot shot in the dark, and, and we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, I thought it was, a, it was a good week, I think, to not end up with any of the, the high-priced guys. Yeah, closers have been a nightmare for me in a couple of leagues, and I think that's the case for a lot of people right now. And yeah, Walden was a spec. We'll see. I guess Sean Armstrong is one guy, but seems like there hasn't been a lot of turnover lately. Do we? I mean, we're going to have to talk about, like, inevitably on the, the upcoming Sirius XM shows Friday, Saturday. We, we have to fill two hours both days, so we're going to end up talking about Sean Armstrong. Um, I cannot wait to um, say that I will be fading whoever is getting saves in that bullpen. <laughs> Good grief, what a terrible bullpen that is. <laughs> I mean, really, really bad. Uh, but, you know, we we know the turnover rate for closers is like 50% to 60% every year, but it seems like right now there's just not a lot of jobs opening up. Um, so you got a spec, and I don't really know who the best spec guys are, maybe like Britain. But, well, like I, uh, I added Pedro Strope last week in a 12-teamer, but I'm sure he's not out there in 15-teamers. I mm-hmm. mean, you're just... And this is this it's it's really uh I thought it was interesting to see where closers were going in those second chance drafts because you do kind of go in when you're doing you're drafting in in late May you can feel a lot more confident I think about ninth inning situations than you do before the season and I don't know if I would have taken closers as high as they were going in those like very early rounds of those drafts but it it makes sense if you've ended up with a bunch of teams where everything's great except your closers. Mm-hmm. You, you want to get those taken care of early. I don't think that that means that next year we all need to take our closers super early, but it's just 
it's such a tough thing to to make up in season, uh, given the way closers are being used today. Yeah, and you feel like when you don't have them at this stage, you feel like you're falling so far behind that you're just scrambling and desperate to at least stay close to the pack so that eventually you can gain some points. But you just feel like you're you're constantly falling behind the pack. It's a frustrating feeling. Uh, James, we'll move on and talk a little bit about the upcoming draft. You've been putting in a ton of work to prepare for the draft, and we're going to have live um, pick-by-pick updates as the draft happens early next month. What's that, next week? Yeah, man, Monday. Ugh. Just get, uh, I just say that. Get all, I mean, <laughs> that means we have to come in on our day off. We're just going to have to really, really take it easy on Sunday. Yeah, and take a day off this week to make up for it. But look, um, <laughs> what do you think just generally this draft class? Uh, well, it's it's very nice up top for fantasy because the strength of the class is uh, position players and probably more specifically college position players, uh, which is obviously the, the thing that we covet most is guys that are, are hitters who have upside and can get to the big leagues fairly quickly. Uh, it's a horrible draft for pitching, just awful, probably – the worst draft I can remember uh, in terms of pitchers. I mean, obviously, most years you don't have a Casey Mize caliber pitcher in the draft, but, I mean, there's there's nobody that's even remotely close to uh, as good as Casey Mize was last year. Uh, my favorite pitcher in this class is George Kirby, who's a right-hander from Elon University, I believe, or is it Elon College? Either way, it's it's not a good sign when a pitcher from Elon is is my favorite pitcher. I mean, there's I, I'm going to be doing an article that should probably go up on the site tomorrow where I do a tiers of of my top thirty prospects in the draft, and I don't list a pitcher until the fourth tier. It's just uh, very hitter heavy, which is which is great for fantasy. Um, but I also I also don't think there's a ton of depth, so you definitely want to have a top 10 top 12 pick in your first year player drafts but all the picks that kind of fall outside of that range i don't think carry a ton of value nice well do you think the prospects from this year's j2 class will significantly outpace the top guys from the draft class well yeah i mean you're gonna have multiple guys from the j2 class that get ranked in the top 10 probably probably get ranked in the top eight now that i'm looking at my tiers for this draft uh, there might be six guys from the draft that, that are on par with the top J2 guys. But after that, I mean, even if you end up waiting five years, I'd, I'd rather roll the dice on, on some of these 16-year-olds than a lot of guys in this draft. Well, uh, one more piece of business before we move on to specifics, uh, specific players in this year's draft class. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. I'm enjoying it. I enjoy the speed of it, the ease of the, of the site to navigate good stuff. You can join me on draft today. Just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code Rotowire. That's right. 
play your real money game for free just for using my promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your first deposit. Search uh, Draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter a promo code ROTOWIRE. Now, James... The the top dog in this tra- in this class is Adley Rutschman. Is that how you pronounce it, Rutschman? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Catcher from Oregon State. Yeah, I mean it, it's up for debate. Certainly, I I think you know I have my, I have my tier one of of Adley Rutschman, the catcher from Oregon State, who's going to go first overall to the Orioles, and then number two, I have Andrew Vaughn, first baseman from Cal, and I think. Probably the majority of people would would prefer Vaughn to Rutschman, but I think it would probably be, I don't know, 75-25, so maybe not a a complete majority, like a 90% majority or anything like that, but people are going to gravitate towards the first baseman. Uh, I already You're talking about fantasy owners, right? Yeah. Because uh, oh, I thought for some reason I had in my head that Rutschman was kind of the Clear number one guy in real life. Oh, you know, he is. Okay, okay. He is. But I I think he's the number one guy for me in fantasy as well. Okay. Um, I just wanted to clear that up. Right. Yeah, I know. Rutschman's kind of a generational type of real life prospect. I mean, he's a catcher who could win gold gloves behind the plate and hit in the middle of a lineup for, for a long time. Switch hitter. Uh, beautiful swing. He's got maybe the best hit tool in the draft and he's got plus power to go with it. A guy that I think is going to be very quick to the majors or at least quick to being ready for the majors. I mean, the Orioles given where they're at on their competitive cycle, it might get to a point where he's ready next summer and they just have the luxury of keeping him down another four or five months and and waiting until early the following year. But he's not going to, need much uh work in the minors um vaughn i mean it's it's just it's such a tough call because vaughn is a pretty decent bet i think to be a top 10 fantasy first baseman uh for you know good six seven years something like that but if rutschman is far 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 and away the top fantasy catcher during his prime, would you take that over a top seven, top eight first baseman? I mean, I think I probably would. I mean, it, it's kind of a, you know, it, it, I, I've compared his offensive output, uh, his upside there to sort of Paul Goldschmidt, uh, but eligible at catcher and, and only playing, you know, 130, 135 games a year. I mean, that's probably better than prime Buster Posey and you've got him hitting in Baltimore instead of San Francisco and prime Buster Posey was always going in like the third round. And so I think Rutschman could be a early third, late second type of guy during his peak seasons and Vaughn could too. But if Vaughn, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's only kind of a uh, Reese Hoskins caliber of, fantasy player and that that'd be awesome but I, I think it's just a really tough call up top I'm, I'm gonna go Rutschman just because I I really really love the bat in addition to the fact that he plays the last scarce position in fantasy which is catcher but I I totally get it if you just are not a catching prospect guy and don't want to roster a catching prospect no matter how good I say they are 
Andrew Vaughn's a, a pretty great option at number one as well. I'll, rest, I'll roster a catching prospect, just not a, a 2B prospect. Uh, <laughs> tier 2, Hunter Bishop, outfielder from Arizona State. J.J. Blade, outfielder from Vanderbilt. Riley Green, outfielder from Florida. Bobby Witt Jr., a shortstop from Texas. Um, anything separating Bishop here from the other guys in Tier 2? Are they just all pretty much just um, bunched together, pretty much uh, the similar outlooks long-term? Uh, it's another just really, really, really tight tier, just like Tier 1, where I, I wouldn't fault anyone for having Bobby Witt in the t- at the top of this tier. I wouldn't fault anyone for having Hunter Bishop at the bottom of this tier. Uh, Bishop, to me, is extremely like so bishop and wit are the two guys that are really toolsy in these top two tiers they're guys that have big power and speed uh the rest of them rutchman vaughn blade green it's just kind of hit and power without the speed so i'm going to gravitate towards the college guy with the tools uh just because i think there's upside and some proximity there uh and i really like the impact in Bishop's swing. I mean, he just destroys the ball. Uh, just really kind of looks the part of a of a cleanup hitter that could could steal fifteen bases. Uh, but there's there's some questions about his hit tool. Um, there's some slight questions about Bobby Witt's hit tool. Blade and Green have the best hit tools in that tier. They're just not going to really do much with their legs. So I mean, it's kind of beauties in the eye of the beholder. I I do think this is a pretty firm top six though that first tier and this the second tier I I feel pretty strongly about that at this point, um, but I really don't think you can go wrong in the first tier or the second tier. I, I just think it's so hard to to kind of pick and choose which which of these guys to to slot first. Tier three we got Corbin Carroll, C.J. Abrams, Will Wilson, Keone Cavico. Josh Jung and Brett Batty. So no pitchers at all through the first three tiers. And as you said, really poor pitching class uh, this year. So, you know, look at these guys. And um, I obviously don't really know much about them, but um, any of these guys that really kind of tickle your fancy? Uh, The guy that I'm probably highest on relative to other people is, is Keone Cavico, who, uh, was sort of labeled a, a pop-up guy from Northern California or, uh, or no, um, Southern California, but he, he was kind of a pop-up guy just because he didn't get invited to some of the showcases last summer. And I think that it was more of a issue of him being slept on a little bit than him actually popping up. I mean, he just really, really looks the part to me of a, uh, plus hitting, plus power, third baseman. He's got some speed as well. Uh, high school guy, so there's there's risk with any high schooler projecting hit tools. I mean, we I'm we're, I'm excited to talk to uh, Jim Callis and will be pipeline on Friday's SiriusXM show about this. I mean, I just think grading and scouting a, a high school player's hit tool is is to me still the toughest thing about draft evaluation i mean we don't even have to go back that far to you know a guy like mickey moniak who was thought to have a 70 grade hit tool and he went number one overall and that that really hasn't panned out uh the way that 
anyone expected it to. And I just think that that's, that speaks to just how tough it is to evaluate high school players hit tools. So there's, there's risk with, with all the, the high school guys. Um, this is, this is just another really tight tier though. I mean, CJ Abrams is going to go highest in the actual draft of these guys. He's a shortstop with a ton of speed who people think is going to hit, but you know, he's not one of the best, you know, Riley green's probably the best prep hitter in this class if CJ Abrams doesn't hit as expected, if he's only like a 245, 250 hitter, which which I think is possible, then uh he's not all that appealing at all because there's not gonna be a ton of power there. So in this in this third tier, you can you can kind of pick guys apart a little bit more, but I uh, still think these six are, are pretty clearly ahead of uh the fourth tier, which is a lot of pitchers. Yeah, a lot of names in here. Do you think really Many or any of these guys really crack the top 300 on your top 400 prospect list? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. So I think the all the guys in the in the top two tiers will be uh, probably top 75 guys, I would say, in the top two tiers. Uh, tier three, I think you're going to have guys from that like sort of 75 to – like 150 range tier four. I think you'll see George Kirby, Jackson Rutledge, uh, top two pitchers for me. Uh, they'll both probably break into the top 200, but then it's possible that the rest of these guys, you know, from 15 on down, uh, could all be outside of that top 200. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad class, uh, in a lot of ways in terms of depth, but, you know, last year I think I put about sixty, sixty-five guys from the draft into the top four hundred. I mean, we we go really deep with the prospect rankings, so there's going to be room for these guys that are flawed because a lot of the prospects that are already in that back half of the top two hundred are pretty flawed themselves. So, um, the, a lot of these guys will get ranked, but it's really the the top six, maybe the top twelve guys that are going to be showing up really high on the list. Very cool. We appreciate all the legwork put into this draft prep, and we look forward to draft night when uh, all this will go live in real time as the picks happen. Anything else you want to mention before we sign off for the day, James? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we, we've got, uh, like I said, we're going to be interviewing Jim Callis on Farm Friday uh, this week on SiriusXM. Uh, definitely go check out Ian's uh, updated Dynasty Top 400 um but yeah i mean it's just going to be mostly draft prep for me right now i mean i've i've been trying to you know provide feedback about about prospects but i've really been kind of hunkered down so hoping that after the draft is done and the next top 400 is updated that i can get back to sort of focusing on the pro side of things which is which is my preference anyways but um i also do i do think luis urias is going to be promoted before our next show um, nice. so that's your sneak, pick sneak that the, one in there nice i think you basically got kevin biggio right i think it was I asked you two weeks ago um no real notable prospects in the meantime i think obviously there's the fab again but we knew all those guys were already up um so yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye out for Luis Arias. hopefully get another streak going here for you in terms of successful successfully predicted call-ups we'll also start sometime soon a new countdown I know our buddy Andrew Redding suggested maybe the top 20 solo Woo member songs. I kind of like that idea, but 
If you have any other ideas for our next countdown, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Clay W. Link. James is at RealJR Anderson. Let us know. We'll talk to you all next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.